love them, you hate them, and you can't stop talking about them. Announcers, analysts, pundits, they're all fair game. It's Sports Media Mayhem with Alex Reamer. Time to let it rip. Everybody and welcome into a fresh edition of the Sports Media Mayhem podcast here on this Thursday, December 1st. That's right, December 1st, start of a new month, start of the holiday season. My birthday's coming up in a few days, so I figured what a great time to come back from our Thanksgiving hiatus. Hopefully you had a nice holiday with friends and family. Have a good show coming up for you today. In a few minutes, a welcome on Sid Ziegler, who is the co-founder of Outsports. Uh, the premier LGBTQ sports website in the country, if not the world, if I say so myself. I should say I I am a bit biased. I'm the deputy managing editor of OutSports. I know, I'm impressed as well. I'm a man of many talents. I'm a man of many gigs. What can I say? But I thought it'd be a great time to sit on the show because I want to hit on two main points this week. Number one, Lamar Jackson, you probably heard, was going back and forth with fans on Twitter following the Ravens' crushing loss to Jacksonville on Sunday. Uh, that's never a good combination. And Jackson fired off an anti-gay insult at one of these fans. And then he defended himself by saying it was not an anti-gay insult, even though it was. He told a fan to suck some D, which is an anti-gay insult because it's implying that a homophobic act is less than. It's implying that a man doing something that gay men do <laughs> is, is worth making fun of. And is something that you should be ashamed of. It's rooted in homophobia, that insult, and insults like it. So I brought in Sid to talk about that. And then we discuss Tony Dungy, who despite his history of campaigning for anti-gay causes, anti-same-sex marriage, telling NFL teams to not sign Michael Sam before the NFL draft, uh, Tony Dungy is still one of the lead NFL voices on NBC's Sunday Night Football. He was in the booth for Patriots-Vikings on Thanksgiving night, and Sid has been on a long-standing crusade about how Tony Dungy should not be part of NBC's Sunday Night Football crew. So I talked about that as well, and I figured it's a good time to bring up Dungy since Patriots fans just suffered through his commentary uh, last Thursday night against the Vikings. Man, oh man, I mean, could... Anybody be, I mean, I, I hate complaining about announcers being biased because it is a definition of a loser's lament, but there is no doubt that Tony Dungy was quite pleased to see the Patriots not only lose uh, last Thursday night, but also see a myriad of calls go against them, including Hunter Henry's should have been touchdown catch. Uh, but amazingly, Dungy's clear anti-Patriots bias wasn't even the top story. From that broadcast, it was Jason Garrett saying that Bill Belichick compared Ramondre Stevenson's growth to Tom Brady and Lawrence Taylor. And then Belichick, when he was asked about that a couple days ago, flatly denied it. Said, oh, I don't remember it that way. So what happened? Was Jason Garrett lying or is Belichick lying? I'm going to go more with the latter. Do I think that Garrett maybe, uh, you know, exaggerated a little bit? For dramatic effect, sure, but Belichick clearly is a huge fan of Ramondre Stevenson. Trent Green, the previous game, said that Belichick went on and on about him in their production meeting as well. Belichick even took the opportunity Monday to go on and on about Ramondre Stevenson. Um, There's also the possibility that Belichick maybe told Jason Garrett 
that piece of information in confidence that Garrett would say something like it on the telecast, but not verbatim what Belichick said, there may be an unwritten rule there. In fact, I would pretty much guarantee that there's some sort of unwritten rule between head coaches and broadcasters like, okay, these networks are paying billions of dollars to broadcast games, so I do have to meet with the broadcasters and I do have to give them a little something for the telecast, but, uh, you know, we, we gotta have a code here, especially coach to coach, and to my knowledge, that was Jason Garrett's first game as an NFL analyst, so... I would assume his first production meeting being on the analyst side of things. But then again, I mean, he was Cowboys coach. Incredibly, he was Dallas Cowboys coach for like 10 years, <laughs> despite his mediocre record. Um, so he's been in those before. He should know. But that's an, that was an interesting thing that I plucked out. Like, who's the liar there? Who's lying more? Was it Jason Garrett or was it Bill Belichick? I guess we'll never find out. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, Patriots play again Thursday night tonight, taking on the Bills. Don't worry, all you streaming-averse people. That game will be on Fox 25 here in Boston. Uh, you know, there's no way to sound older than complaining about streaming things on TV. Like, don't get me wrong, it is not difficult to stream NFL games on Amazon Prime, but it is a little bit annoying. I mean, you have to go to the Amazon Prime app, and then you can't channel flip. You can't surf You may because it's a different input. You may be saying, why would you want to change the channel on Patriots Bills? Well, keep in mind, the Patriots did not force a punt <laughs> against the Bills in, in their last two meetings, in case you forgot. I know Belichick disputes that, but he's wrong. They haven't. The only punt was a fake punt attempt, so no, not a punt. Um, and overall, I remember at the start of the NFL season, I said about Amazon Prime and Thursday Night Football, look, Amazon's paying a billion dollars annually to broadcast Thursday Night Football and the NFL is chasing the money here. Of course, fans will follow, and they have. These games are being watched by millions and millions of people, but the numbers will not be quite as good as they were last year. That was my prediction heading into the season, and 12, 13 weeks in, that's been exactly the case. Overall, outside of a hot start, Thursday night football ratings have dipped on Amazon after each of the first three games topped the 10 million viewer mark only two have done it since. Now I understand the games have been crappy, but Thursday night games are almost always crappy. Now they're just crappy and taking place in more anonymity, which is not great, but the NFL still, you're getting close to 10 million viewers. You're pocketing a billion dollars annually that you weren't pocketing before with this Amazon package. Uh, that's a pretty nice deal for you, I think, at the end of the day, especially because the NFL ratings are always monstrous, always wallop everything else on television. But this year in particular, a record-setting 42 million people watched Cowboys-Giants on Thanksgiving Day. So, you know, this week, Deshaun Watson comes back for the Browns. Some of the women who have accused him of sexual misconduct and sexual assault are going to be there in attendance. And none of it matters. None of it matters. 42 million people, a record number of people watching a regular season game tuned into Cowboys-Giants. That's the highest rated regular season game 
since 1990, which is insane because not only was that 32 years ago, but it was in an entirely different era. There was no, there was no DVR, never mind streaming or iPhones or tablets, nothing, social media. And I mean, that is, just think of that in this era in which everything else on TV is suffering dramatic viewership and ratings declines. The NFL is setting new viewership records. That's just crazy. To tie it all together, according to Sid Ziegler, my guest coming up next, it's crazy that Tony Dungy is still a prominent voice on NBC's Sunday Night Football. I talk about that with Sid and more on the other side. And oh, before I do that, about the Dungy thing, you know, it's a very, it's an interesting line. Because I don't think anybody should be fired for their political opinions. I think people should be able to speak freely. But why does Sid think Tony Dungy crosses the line? That's a conversation that we get into on the other side. It's a Sports Media Mayhem podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening. And welcome back to the show. Cross-pollination here. Sid Ziegler from OutSports. How are you, sir? Fantastic this morning. Yes. Good to see you, as always. Um, as I was saying in the opening before you hopped on, a couple important and interesting issues that I want to get your two cents on. And one of the things that I most appreciate about you is I think that your opinions may not always align with how some people think you may feel being uh, at Outsports who have nuanced views. So uh, let's let's get into it here. God forbid nuanced views. God forbid. Um, so Lamar Jackson tells a fan to eat dick on Twitter after another uh, uneven performance for him. On Sunday, and then on top of it, an ESPN reporter says that Jackson used an anti-gay slur. Jackson then responds to that reporter and says he has defamed his character. So you wrote a column on Outsports. Lamar Jackson's tweet utilized homophobia. His tone-deaf defense has given license to others. What do you make of uh, this little back and forth? Well, the, the second part was really what struck me that after yeah. he offered this defense that um, this isn't homophobic. If you say it is, you're defaming my character. First of all, that is that is such a childish, privileged, nonsensical response for a, I assume, straight black man to tell uh, me or other gay people that there's no root of homophobia there is absurd. But then he empowered all of these people on Twitter to then lash out at me and Jim Basinski and Outsports and other gay people with these slurs. Uh, so it, it, he would have been a lot better off if he just asked what that was all about. And we see this with the Puto chant in soccer that these people don't mean to be homophobic. They just mean to use gay sex to insult other men. Right. right. Uh, and, and they fail to, to see the connection between those two things. And then, and, and, you know, they insist that their position is right. And we insist that our position is right and never the twain shall be. Right. And I think that you mentioned this in your column and it's a great point. A straight person telling a gay person what is and isn't homophobic is the same thing as a white person telling a black person what is and isn't racist. And we rightfully all recognize that's insane. We shouldn't speak on that. So it, it, it's the same thing here. And particularly over the last couple of years, right. as I think people have become more aware of the language they're using, people are cleaning up their language, things that they didn't 
even realize was racist. And I'm not saying that Lamar Jackson hates gay people. That's not the point. The point is that if you're using this language that black people hear as a slur, then you have to rethink, do you really want to come off as racist? And it's the same thing here. If you're using this language that gay people think is a slur, do you really want to come off as homophobic? And so far, Lamar Jackson has said, yes, I want to come off as homophobic. I don't care what you say. So what do you think is the next appropriate step for Lamar Jackson or in situations like these when we see athletes tweet out anti-gay slurs that they may not view as anti-gay slurs? Well, first is some context. When Tim Hardaway said, I hate gay people, uh, and, and other athletes have used the F's gay slur. Right. Those are a, a five on the John Rocker scale, what we use. <laughs> the John Rocker scale, I like that. Those are, okay, you have so far stepped over the line. There should be punishments. There should be national conversation. Eat dick is not those things. Right. It is right. less it's, than those things. It's a schoolyard insult. It's a schoolyard insult that is whose basis is homophobia right so what should happen (laughs) well nothing is going to happen so we just start there i wouldn't even suggest the nfl take action what i would hope would happen is somebody at the team the ravens would would sit him down and say listen this is what those people are talking about and i I, again i say in my column i am not here to equate racism and homophobia racism is, is so much deeper and has a such longer history in the United States. However, when I've talked to Michael Irvin, he's, he has equated the two things. He has said, I have experienced language and barriers be, as a black man, and I can understand how a gay man would experience those things. And maybe if somebody can relate to Lamar Jackson on this topic through that way, that might be helpful. My guess is they're on to the next game and they don't give a shit. Yeah, right. But like you said, the main point to hammer home is it's about education. You know, if we are advocating for the inclusion of LGBT people in sports and gay people in sports, you want to clean up a lot of that language that dissuades them from taking part in sports. And every eat dick comment, every, you know, schoolyard insult, casual homophobia, it could drive someone away. So when you're looking at it from our position, that's why education is the important thing. As you said, it's not saying that Lamar Jackson is a homophobe, not saying Lamar Jackson needs to be tarred and feathered, just he made a mistake. And now the best step would be to say, why? You know, why Why was this hurtful? But as you said, probably won't happen. And I think it's important for our community to keep it in context. This was not a five on the rocker scale. This was no. a one. And, uh, and, you know, our response should you know, be reflect that. And I think I think it has for the oh, response. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, Tony Dungy was uh, calling the Patriots this past Thursday night and uh, reveling in uh, well, reveling in their defeat and excusing the officials. And uh, but that's not the worst part about Tony Dungy. The worst part about him, and we re-up these articles all the time whenever uh, Sunday Night Football comes on, are some of his past stances against same-sex rights. Michael Sam saying he wouldn't draft Michael Sam either. But I am wondering why does Tony Dungy's commentary? Because I think we all agree that people shouldn't be fired or reprimanded for their political views or personal views on some topics. So why does Tony Dungy's commentary cross the line in your mind? (laughs) Well, one of the things that you said there, I think is part of it for me. 
I am also a a you know football official. I, I yes. worked college football. I, I I decided to stop doing that. I just do high school. And Tony Dungy's uneducated, unabashed hatred for officials and his constant targeting of officials in his commentary and his attacks uh, real shows, I, I, I think, a man of poor character. I don't know what happened when he was a coach with officials, but he hates officials, hates them. And I, I just I, it, that that <clears throat> sticks in my craw. I just don't like him as a person. But. It was 16 years ago, this man raised tens of thousands of dollars to fight against same-sex marriage. And I understand that 16 years ago, society was different. But over the last 16 years, Tony Dungy has d done nothing to answer to that. And as I have asked NBC, as I ask other people, if Tony Dungy were a white man, and raised money to oppose interracial, interracial marriage. Mar yeah, it's, yeah, he would not be commentating on NBC. He wouldn't be commentating anywhere except maybe Breitbart. <laughs> so it, that's what I, I just w keep asking. Has his position changed? And I want NBC to say, yeah, we don't care that he did that. Um, and, and, and yeah, we treat homophobia completely different from racism. Um, we, we would we would we would disavow him if he did that. I want people to own up to their decisions because he's made a choice. Every time he's opened his mouth about this topic, it's been negative. And he is lauded as this hero uh, of, of, of players and underprivileged people. Um, well, at the same time, he was telling teams to not draft Michael Sam. He was telling them to hire the dog murderer, Michael Vick, who was also being followed by TV cameras for a documentary series. So he is just, he's hypocritical. Uh, he has been uh, damaging influence, uh, I think, in the NFL on the issue of homosexuality. And I just, I want him and NBC and the NFL to answer to it. And they've so far just have refused every request I've made. They and don't yeah. And your point about him, you know, never everything going, you know, everything going wrongly whenever he speaks about this is true, because just last year, John Gruden, I was rereading re an article I wrote, I wrote at the time he defended John Gruden after these, you know, homophobic emails were unearthed saying, you know, we should all move on like the team has. Gruden, of course, was fired shortly thereafter. But yeah, just no, seems like he's made no evolution on this topic. And it's hard because <clears throat> For years, I have talked about how inclusive the NFL is at its core, and I really believe that it is. I think that we see it with Carl Nassib, who was uh, warmly received with the Raiders. Another team went and signed him. Uh, and, and I think that, that the NFL is largely inclusive. But having Tony Dungy as one of the faces of the league, and I understand He's the, one of the faces of the of NBC, but in in being that, he's one of the faces of the league. And Retired now, football is the highest rated show on TV. Yeah, uh, of course, on all television. Right. And now, uh, uh, so they have my cause, my cleats this week, and every year I look to see what causes these players are choosing. And yet again, a player, Christian Roseboom, with the Rams, has selected Fellowship of Christian Athletes which bars LGBT people from leadership uh, and, and speaks out openly against homosexuality. 
And here we go again, like the league and the Rams are allowing him to do that. When if somebody barred black people from leadership, there is zero chance that would be allowed. Right. So it's just, again, this, this double standard, again, asserting that homophobia and racism have different histories in our country. It's still, it's just not right. So, so do you think though that um, being a proponent of same-sex marriage is a necessary prerequisite when it comes to holding a high-profile media position, sports media position? No, but I think that speaking out against it and raising tens of thousands of dollars to fight against it, yeah, I, I think you need to answer questions about that. I think you and your employer need to answer questions about that. I, I listen. I've, I, I have, I have said for years. I, I have friends who are progressive liberals. I have friends who are far right conservatives. I mean, you're friends with Richard Grinnell. We can say oh, yeah. on the show. I get accused of being both of those things by each one of the sides. I, I try to keep a pretty open mind, but when you are as outwardly anti-gay as Tony Dungy has been over his career, I yeah. I want, I want more answers, and I want his employer to tell me. Uh, yes, we don't care that he opposed same-sex marriage, but we would have cared if he if he opposed interracial marriage. I want them to say this. Have you asked? I know you're working on a calm now, but have you asked NBC about this previously over the years? I have asked them again. I, I've, yes, I have in the past. They, they've never responded. So. <laughs> we'll see we'll keep an eye on it next time he speaks about anything outside of the uh x's and o's tony dungy as you said bad things typically happen the last thing i want to hit on you here uh, with you here sid is the world cup a lot of talk about the coverage heading into it we both uh have corresponded with uh nas muhammad a, a gay qatari who's been very outspoken about a lot of the coverage heading into the world cup how it focused on the plight the potential plight of lgbt visitors and not native lgbt Qataris. So now that we're about a week into the event, uh, what's your opinion on the coverage of this issue? Because it certainly has been, uh, well, I think, if not the number one story, pretty damn close to it. Well, the number one story of, of every sporting event is the sporting event, well, uh, right. with, with very rare exceptions. And it should be. These, these guys have worked so hard to get to where they are. This is the culmination of, for some of them, eight years of work. So I appreciate the need for for that to say take center stage. And it's one of the reasons that I really there was somebody who ran across the field in the middle of a match with a rainbow flag. Right. I am so against that. For those 90 minutes, just shut up and, and watch the game and, and, and let the let the players take center stage for those 90 minutes. And then we can talk about it, you know, for the rest of the time, which I've appreciated that we have people have shown up with rainbow flags. Um, you just had somebody from uh, 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 a sports minister from the UK show up with a rainbow flag sitting there in the stands. He's been told not to do it. He did it anyway. So I think those I think those moments are are really good to talk about. And uh, unfortunately, I don't think it moves the needle much in places like Qatar or no, Iran. I don't think so. Uh, but but it doesn't mean that we don't keep trying because eventually these laws will change eventually they will stop killing people or imprisoning people for being gay and i think moments like this you know maybe it does move the needle a little bit 
Um, but what it does is it gives some of those LGBT people in those countries a, 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 some sense of hope and some sense that they're not alone in the world because right. they may feel very alone yeah. where they are in those countries, but there are others out there like them. And I, and I, I think that's part of the, that's, that's the big point to give those people some hope. Right. And that was one of the most striking things I found when I was talking to uh, Nas last week. Um, you know, he's like, there's no such thing as an LGBTQ community in Qatar. Like it doesn't exist when he was applying for asylum, he had to eat. There's no record of LGBTQ people in Qatar. Like, so that's the, it's just so hard for us to even conceptualize that. Yeah. There is just no community there. Cause I mean, coming out is very dangerous. It's how we felt as kids, certainly how I felt as a kid growing up in the eighties. Um, you know, the only, the only thing I knew about gay people was that they were dying from AIDS. That's, <laughs> that was my only understanding of being gay. And, so, yeah, I, I, I know how those people feel and, and these messages that hopefully are breaking through to them, give them some semblance of hope. And maybe some of them are, find the courage and the, and the power to organize and maybe they start fighting for rights because ultimately that's how these things change. People within the country have to do this, have to do the fight. And, and you know, some of them, like in the United States, they got to get arrested. But at some point, there's a critical mass and things change. Sid Ziegler from Outsports. Sid, always interesting. Thanks for coming on. Thank you.